You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about something, it's really tough, y'all, uh, how to review a book that you hated. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? I just finished this book. It is, it is kind of a strange book, honestly, but I enjoyed it. It's called... Um, Pew, P-E-W, by Catherine Lacey. You know, I'm filming a movie right now, so I'm looking for short books. This one is, it's a short book. It's about, it's from the point of view of a, of a person who woke up on, in, in, on a pew in a, in a church um, somewhere in the South, and I can't remember where, and um, I think it's in the South, and the people in the church are like, oh, we're going to call you Pew, and it's all like from the person's point of view who woke up. So the people from the church don't know uh, this person's race. They don't know their gender. They can't figure it out. And so as the book goes along, it's basically these people sort of monologuing to Pew about their lives, about what's going on in the community and about their church and uh, you kind of, and how they're starting to grow more and more uncomfortable with the fact that they can't, um, identify Pew. They can't figure out who Pew is and Pew doesn't really talk that much. Um, and it's, I, it's a, it's a very weird sort of literary fiction, um, interesting sort of, sort of like surreal, but, um, uh, uh, interesting, like from a very specific person's point of view is kind of just taking in the world around them. It's cool. It's a very like atmospheric book, I would say. That and, um, awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's really interesting. It's not like something I would normally pick up. I have no idea who recommended this book to me. Let me know who did. If you are the person <laughs> who was like, I loved this book, or maybe I heard about it on a podcast or something, but I was into it. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? I am reading, well, also exciting news for me. I signed with a new literary agent. It's a huge, huge deal for me. I'm very, very excited about it. And my new agent, Amy Bishop, recommended this book to me. And I was like, how do you already know me so well? Uh, it's called The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, and I think it's going to hit a ton of people's wheelhouses. because So it's about it's Gilded Age New York in the late 1800s, and it's about this woman. Um, she's a widow. She's just come back from a huge scandal in Europe, and, like, everybody in high society is ignoring her. And her plans are to—she wants to restore this old mansion in New York City um, and write a book about it. She's all all excited. It's like the thing that that she's focusing on in the midst of all this scandal. Um, the only problem for her is that she's having a hard time restoring it because it's haunted. Um, in comes a this professor who is he's an inventor, he's an engineer, but he's also doing all these experiments and doing all this research into metaphysics and the paranormal. Um, and because he's trying to scientifically quantify these things, and of course. He's sexy. So you have this like it's a it's a romance book between the, this woman and this man um, in the midst of a haunting in a gothic house in Gilded Age, New York. And it's just like so fucking good. I'm so excited about it. Again, I was like, Amy, how, you've been my agent for like a, like a week. How do you already know me so well? And she's like, I got you. Um, so, so yeah, there's a ton of, ton of wheelhouse items. Check, absolutely check this book out. Um, so that's The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller. And mine is Pew by Catherine Lacey. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Amanda has a hot library tip. Shh. Oh yeah. 
Oh, sorry. I did the. I, oh, I was loud in the library. How embarrassing. How completely embarrassing. The librarians are going to come. The um, librarians are came up there. Priya, come on. Come you know, on. Shh, 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 shh. So uh, Amanda says, hello, all. I just thought I'd mention this book tip about libraries. You can get free or discounted museum or zoo passes using your library card, at least where I live. You check out museumadventure.org. And plug in your zip code and see what comes up, then request a pass using your library card number. I take my kids to the zoo for free all the time. This is an extremely hot book tip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of libraries have this, and I feel like we talked about it a little bit, like on one of our library episodes, but definitely check out and see what your library has to offer and stuff like this, because it's good, good book tip. Extremely good book tip. Um, Molly wrote in and said, I discovered your podcast during the pandemic and it was some much needed light while I worked in an ER during COVID times and didn't see my family. Oh, sorry, Molly. I would listen to episodes while I walked around my neighborhood since I couldn't go to the gym and now I'm hooked. Thanks for the laughs and helping me improve my reading life. I'm writing because you recently talked about bookish dating stories and I have one. My husband and I wandered around the streets of Chicago after brunch on our first date back in 2019 and I knew he's a keeper when one, he saw my face... (laughs) When I saw a quirky independent bookstore we were walking by and immediately suggested we go in. Two, he didn't judge when I bought a ridiculous Star Trek novel that featured Q and, ooh, what's that character's name? I have no no idea. I've never seen Star Trek. You've never seen Star Trek? Wow, it's great. Uh, (laughs) Luoxana, my brother's going to be so mad at me for not knowing how to say this person's name, but Star Trek characters. And three, he even... He was even up for shopping in a second bookstore we happened upon. I did give the Star Trek book to my brother, but will keep the novel I bought that day on his suggestion, which was Timeline by Michael Crichton, forever as a memento of our first date. Oh, and my something old when I got married last year was a book. My dress had pockets, major win, love a dress with pockets, and in my pocket, I had a final copy of, I I had a copy of a traditional Italian bridal prayer book my great-great-grandmother brought over from Italy. Oh, that's really cute. So hooray for bookish love. I'm currently pressing flowers from my wedding in some huge reference books, and I am totally going to laminate them into bookmarks bookmarks on the suggestion from your other listener. Thanks to that other bookish bride. Amazing. And... And Oh, yeah. And you want to tell, you want to say Molly's Wheelhouse? Molly's Wheelhouse is portals to magic places, bonus magic library or book portals, uh, time travel, uh, memoirs told in vignettes that create a portrait of community, uh, retellings of myths or legends, of course, uh, mysteries with fun characters and great settings, but still a satisfying mystery. And then Molly says, I'm attaching my photo of something else here. If you share it on on Instagram, uh, here's all the credits for it. That is awesome. Oh, great. We, we love. You missed her last. You missed her last one. She had one. Oh, more. I missed. Oh, homes. and um, cozy homes bonus for a makeover or renovation. Very love cute. that. Yeah, um, super cute. God, it wouldn't be a reading glasses um, wheelhouse without a retelling. Yes. in there. Um, so quick bookmark. I just want to update folks again. So Bria is still directing a movie uh, down and not in Los Angeles on another part of the country. Um, so we have not announced the dates for the Erotica Book Club or the Readathon yet, um, but we're going to announce the dates very soon. We're going to pick times in August, beginning of September. Um, so don't worry, you haven't missed anything. We're just, I'm on deadline for a book. Bria's making a movie. We're just, there's a lot lot of stuff going on, um, but we'll be announcing those things soon. Um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about how to review a bad book, we're going to take a quick break. Prepare 
yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A backdropping audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum, and I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. I'm a brutal Brit, and my fists were made to punch and hit. And Hal Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and Fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. This week, we're talking about a tough problem. You just read a book and you didn't like it. How do you review it online? How do you score it on Goodreads? What do you say in public about a shitty book or just a book that you didn't like? We're talking about, by the way, books that people that you, books that you thought was was like boring, not compelling, whatever. We're not talking about books that are like racist and terrible in that kind of way. Just a book that wasn't for you and you're trying to figure out how to talk about it. Yeah, so I spent a minute trying to find the average rates, uh, like the average rate rating of a book on Goodreads. And I was like, oh, is it really a three? Is three the middle rating for a book? But unfortunately, that info isn't really readily available. I did find a lot of information about Amazon rates, uh, rating system. Uh, Like, you know, obviously we know Amazon, the Amazon rating system is weighted for those who are verified customers. um, But Goodreads can't really do anything like that. Um... But um, I did find stuff about star ratings in general. You want to hear about that? Mallory? Yeah, I'm actually pretty interested. Oh. Okay, so um, Michelin stars have been around much longer than expected, which is sort of a star rating, right? Since 1926. Wow. Um, obviously, that's really di- different because, like, a Michelin star, you like get one or you don't. It's not like oh, I, it's either I you no star, star or one star. Scale. It's one store, or if you get like two, that's like crazy. And then there's like, you know, like five restaurants that have like three or something like that. Um, uh, but after that, basically, we we have, as humans, love a three star rating. We've been a three star rating for a very long time. It seems like maybe hotels are the first ones to be like, actually, we enjoy a four star rating, uh, from what I could tell. But it's not clear to me who did the first five star rating, uh, but it's a fairly new phenomenon. It's not, we we were really into three stars for a long time, rating things on three stars for many years. And then it seems like pretty much in the last like 20 years, uh, we only went up to like five star ratings. So do you think um, like 20 years from now, we're going to be up to like eight stars? We're like eight. How much is it out of eight stars? Yeah, we might be. I don't know. Um, so also Amazon, I didn't realize this, but until 2019, you couldn't do just a star rating. You had to do a review. Did you know that? No, this is, I, I had, I always, cause I, you know, I don't, uh, I never go on Amazon reviews. It's a no go zone, no fly zone for me. Uh, I didn't, no fly I didn't zone. Although there, there's all those, sometimes there's the fun things where you, people will discover like lady pins or something and they'll go and like review like feminine pin, pins. Oh yeah. Like I've writing your attention. Like shit I've like that. that. I'll go read those, which is pretty funny. Um, but basically, yeah, which I thought was an interesting thing about ratings is that you couldn't, I'm never rating shit on Amazon and think about it. Uh, but if you, for a long time, you had to write a review and if you were going to do a star rating, you know, on Goodreads, obviously, you've always been able to just do a star yeah. rating. You didn't have to do a review. 
Um, so first off, we have to get this out of the way. Neither Breer nor I talk about books we don't like online. You're not a trash baby if you do. Um, both of us have our own personal reasons for not doing this. Um, and we, we, we have to say also, we always talk about books on the show that we're reading, you know, at the top of the show. But sometimes we end up not liking those books and not finishing those books. It, it happens. It's fine. The opening segment of Reading Glasses is not always an endorsement for a book. We've gotten some emails from people that are like, it seems like you guys only read books that you like. That's not true. We just are always Mm-mm. normally at the top of the show. We're talking about books that we are in the process of reading. So by, you know, nature of by the nature of what that is, if we, if we haven't dumped the book yet, that means we still like it in some way. So don't panic. We Bree and I read books that we don't like all the time. We just save the the salty, spicy uh, reviews for texts with each other. You know how there's like nut flavors, bags of nuts that are flavored, salty, spicy. Mm-hmm. We we don't share those with anyone else. We keep them all for ourselves. Yes, um, that's very. And sometimes, sometimes uh, our other like bookish friends, obviously, like Adam, will sometimes will uh, will get clued in, but from professional book oh, nerds, and if, but. actually if someone asks me personally, I will just tell them. I, yeah. I'll tell them. Like like I even on our um uh on our Slack channel, if people are like, yeah, what did you think of this? I'll be like, you know what? I didn't finish that one or whatever. I, I'll like be honest. I just, I'm not out there like publicizing did not finish. Like it's just not yes. interesting. That's, that's really the thing. Yeah. If you're a sleuth though, you could probably figure this out. Which ones we're talking about a lot later, which ones we're plugging on the show later, which based on what we're reading at the beginning, I'm not encouraging you to do this sleuth work, people but you're do, welcome though. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> people sure do. <laughs> um, but I think for me, I, I started, um, I started a long time ago. I joined Twitter fairly early. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I joined Twitter in like 2008 or nine. I was on there a lot, like kind of early in Twitter world. And I had the realization that if I talk to shit online, I work in the entertainment industry. So if I'm like, I didn't like this movie or book or whatever, who knows if the next project I was up for had something to do with a person involved with that project. Like the world of people making shit is actually quite small. And it's even if it's not like the writer or the director or whatever, maybe they did the fucking cover of the book, but I'm like, fuck this book on online. They're not going to want to come on our show. They're not going to want to do a movie with me, like whatever it is. And so I think for me, I save that shit talk for my friends. My friends are going to yes. hear it. <laughs> I, think I don't the, need to have that Jordan as my Morris persona. said on the show recently that it's like, that's, it's, <laughs> you save it for the group chat. <laughs> save it for the group chat. Again, that doesn't mean your opinion isn't valid. If you like to do that, if you want to talk about stuff online that you don't like, this is just my choice and the way I've decided to like live my life. Um, and I, and Mallory, interestingly, we both have found each other and we both kind of live that same way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same. I also, you know, living that author life. Um, cause I never, you know, you just never know who you're, who you're going to run into. Um, I think the thing is I used to write before I started writing and before we started doing the show, I used to use Goodreads a lot. Um, and, but I decided, I think it was about the same year that we started doing the show. So, and it wasn't a hundred percent having to do with reading glasses, but it, I mean, it definitely contributed to it that I just didn't want negative opinions of books to be a part of my online life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's a ton of reason for this. One one reason, it's not something I like talking about with strangers. Like, yeah. It's just not something I like to do. Uh, I, I still get, I get emails from random people who comb through my Goodreads reviews from 10 years ago and they want explanations for how I rated books and why. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it makes me really uncomfortable. Um, also, and I can't trust that that person won't like tag the author in the review, send that author the review. It's happened. Um uh, and the thing is also, like we t- I talked about a few minutes ago, 
usually if a book is below three stars nowadays, I won't finish reading it anyways. Uh, but the thing is, and the reason one of the reasons one of the many reasons we're saying this, you're not a trash baby if you do this, is that there's a lot of folks who read reviews and they find them to be mm-hmm. really helpful. They might see a trigger warning for something and avoid the book. They might have a similar taste as the person reviewing it and know to avoid the book. Uh, of course, there are some etiquette cer- concerns. You know, never tag an author in the review. But for a lot of people, checking out the review for a book, reviews for a book before they read it during reading it or after reading it is an important part of their reading life. Um, maybe not important, but it's just, it's just a part of their reading life. And the people who write those reviews, write good ones, are doing a, a, a service to the other readers. Um, and that sort of brings us to the the point of this episode where we wanted to sort of talk about how to do this. How do you talk about a book, like it, specifically in public? How do you review a book on a public space like Storygraph or Goodreads that you didn't like? And I think the main thing that folks need to remember is that writing a negative review about of something isn't, you're not writing it for the author. You're writing it for fellow readers. And I forget which writer said this online, but I thought it was great. But reviews are about criticism, not critique. Um, and posting a negative review online about all the things the author should have done doesn't really do anything than vent your dislike of something. Maybe you need to do that. Who knows? Maybe you just hated this book so much that you just need to like vent a bunch of anger about it. I don't know. But you're not submitting notes to an author. Like the author's not going to read this and be like, ah, yes, I will finish. I fix this in the next book. You're writing something for fellow readers to read. So I always think the best reviews that I see have that in mind. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like I like that. So if you are writing a review, I think finding that way to explain why it wasn't for you uh, is better than like I just didn't like it. Like that way, if like I'm reading your review or something, which I off I will go do sometimes, and it's like, oh, I I also hate dogs dying. I see why this person didn't like this book. I'll move on. Like I do I do you know appreciate that someone let me know. Uh, so I guess for me, I think the key is, or I think for all of us, the key is to sort of know thyself, right? Know why you didn't like this book and be able to tell people how the book relates to your reading preferences and who you are somehow without spoilers, which is also (laughs) very hard. But like being able to say like, look, I like books more like this. This is not that kind of book. Um, Or the writing style just didn't hit me. Like whatever the things are that you think don't work for you. I think that will help everyone if you're going to write a review. Yeah, it was like, I think we talked a while ago on the show about there was one book I read, um not last year, but the year before. And I started reading it and I was like, okay, I recognize that this is not a bad book, but it's really just not for me. And I wouldn't go online and be like, this book fucking sucks. I'd just be like, this is what this book is. It would be great for people who like this, this and that, but it's not for me. Because I think most of the time folks posting reviews are doing it in a social way. They want people to read them Mm -hmm. and maybe decide whether or not to read or keep reading a book because of it. I know a lot of glassers check book reviews when they're deciding whether to dump a book or not, which I think is a really great idea. You know, people, maybe you're halfway through and it's still a slog and you don't know if you should keep going and you don't know anyone who's read it. I know, you know, I think people checking Goodreads to see, you know, does it get better? If there are a lot of reviews that are like, stick through the middle, get to the end, like, that's really helpful for readers. Um, so if you're looking for tips on how to write a review for a book you didn't like, think about stuff like that. Say, like you just said, Bria, the pacing was too slow for me. You know, the ending didn't feel like it was worth it, blah, blah, blah. Rather than like, this book fucking sucks, you know, because that just doesn't do anything. You know, what's the point of posting that publicly unless like, you know, your Goodreads review is just for yourself. Um, basically, just think about something that you wish you had known before reading it. 
Mm, yeah, I like that. So Mallory, like on the subject of spoilers, which you care about, how do people get around that when they're writing reviews? <sighs> good or bad, good or bad, but bad because that's the theme of the episode. I think there's always a way to do it where you can be pretty vague. You know, you don't have to name a certain character, um, especially like if you're writing a review of something that you didn't like. Um, there's there's just ways to do it. Um, you could just no no specifics. <laughs> don't don't write anything specific. Um, just keep it pretty vague. And again, keep keep it to bigger level things. You don't have to be like, oh, the specific character, this thing I don't like. Well, you'd be like, well, there's this trope that's used that I don't like, or there's this character arc that I didn't like, whatever it is. Um, it's pretty easy to convey the reasons why you didn't like a book or you don't think it's for you um, without getting into like the very, very nitty gritty details. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I think, I think so. I think like, like, especially if you're like the pacing, like if you can stay on like broader things instead of like this, the, uh, specifics, then I think it'll, I think, I think you could do it. And like, you can give spoilers for like big, broad themes. I think that are like uh, triggers for big, broad themes like that would help as well. I also, I, I do want to reiterate too, that part, part of the reason you're writing these reviews for readers is that I don't think authors belong in those spaces, you know, like mm. those there's always whenever somebody the, the, the drama happens about this all the time in the author community and about you know authors who re, who respond to readers who've given them a bad review i just i i think that's not okay i don't think an author you know needs to be in that space i think that's a place for readers who should be able to think whatever they want and say whatever they want and without fear of like an author retaliating or putting them on blast in public like i just think that's not okay um, so, but I, I, again, that's why, uh, that's another reason why you should be writing these reviews for, um, for other readers. And, yeah. um, you shouldn't, you should never feel personally responsible. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to write this thing and I'm going to hurt an author's feelings. I mean, we, there are people who tag authors in reviews, who say awful things, who email awful things. Um, you know, as soon as Girly Drinks went up on Goodreads, one of my first reviews before, like before anyone, even the arcs were out, there's no possible way that this person could have read the book, but he already gave me a one-star review. It's just oh like a lot. Yeah, I know. But it happens to that's, tons of that's authors. That's an ex-boyfriend. That's clearly an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens all the time. And Goodreads doesn't do a great job about um, policing that stuff. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it just happens. It happens on Amazon. Uh, there's a lot of people will, we see it all the time. People organize campaigns like, oh, this book has gay characters. Let's all give it a one-star review because we are trash babies. It happens, um, which is why, you know, part of the reason why I, I, I definitely stay stay out of those spaces. But yeah, you're not, you're not a bad person. You're not a trash baby for, for, for giving books bad reviews. You're doing, if, if you're, if you're doing, if writing a review for fellow readers, you're you're you might have helped someone maybe and also who knows maybe you convince someone to write it or to, or to read a book you know maybe you're like oh tons of people read lady from the black lagoon because people were like oh this book's too feminist one star and then other people were like oh fuck yeah i'm gonna read that that's for me yeah um so never just because bria and i don't review books that like that in public for various professional reasons but if you don't share those professional reasons don't feel like you are a bad person because you you do do those things because you're probably doing a lot of you're doing a lot of help for the reader community and someone m- might have um you might have saved helped someone dump a book or help someone find a book because of it 
Um, so you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we answer a book reviewing problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, I'm Jordan Morris, creator of the Max Fun scripted sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble. We just released a special episode of Bubble to celebrate the launch of our new graphic novel. At SF Sketchfest in 2019, we recorded a live show with Allison Becker, Eliza Skinner, Mike Mitchell, Christella Alonzo, and special guests Gene Gray, Jonathan Colton, Jesse Thorne, Nick Weiger, and a bunch of other cool folks. We suspect he'll show signs of mutation when in a state of excitement. Now, Annie matched with him on Tinder, so she's going to act as the honeypot. I do enjoy being called a honeypot. Hey, you know what's better than honey? Gravy. (gasps) Oh, yeah, can I be the gravy sack? Out now on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get podcasts. And pick up the graphic novel at your local bookstore today. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Dustin writes in, I I read a random comment that stated that anything other than a five-star review on places like Amazon means nothing to the sales of a new book. As a new receiver of ARCs and reviewer, I want to give honest reviews, but if a book is four stars and I rate it as such, will it hurt the book's trajectory? I still want a good book to be noticed by algorithms no matter what stars I rate it. Even though a star rating is subjective in our eyes, is it objective in terms of Amazon, Goodreads, etc.? You can definitely see why we included this question in this episode. Bria, what do you think? Well, I think um, uh, Dustin is spot on that the star rating feels subjective to us, but is it's an algorithm. It is objective. It is objective in terms of the way things are presented on Amazon, Goodreads, Storygraph, any place you're looking at this stuff, right? Um, so if I'm looking up... a List, list of books about space on on Goodreads. The first ones that come up are going to be a combo of those five-star reviews and most reviews. Like, that mm-hmm. is just, that's what's going to come up. Um, this is the problem with the rating system. This is why, like, I don't think a star rating is actually a great idea with anything because I think it's so hard because it feels like, I feel like the problem with the star rating, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but the problem with the star rating is that it does feel objective. So you're like, oh, this is a four-star book. This is a four-star movie. But, like, it's... It's not. That's a subjective rating, and we're, none of us can, like, view something through someone else's star rating lens. Um, basically, five-star rating lenses. They don't know you. They don't know me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. You don't know uh, me, do, Amazon. <laughs> you don't know me, stars. I don't. You don't know <laughs> how I feel. Well, isn't that why ne- Netflix took their star rating away? Now you only thumbs up and thumbs down things on Netflix because they were having troubles with the, the star rating? I don't know, maybe, because the weird thing is you and I, I know, talk about star ratings all the time where I'm like, I think a five star is a good book and other people are like three stars a good book and I'm like three stars a failure. So like we don't even agree on like what three stars Mm -hmm. means really. Um, So but yes, Dustin, you got to You got to choose something. If you're if you're getting these arcs, it is nice of you. They do want you to do a review. This is part of your job as a reviewer. So you do have to give it some sort of star review, just kind of knowing that this is a system that is faulty. And you could always, I see this a lot on like Goodreads and stuff where people are like, 
it's four, I gave it four stars, but really it's three and a half. Like the, people kind of clarify. And I think the important thing is that clarification of like, here's why I think this is a four star book instead of a five. But yeah, if you're giving it less than four stars, it is not going to end up on a lot of these, uh, than five stars, it's not going to end up on a lot of these like best of the year lists. It just because you gave it four stars and you're like, that is great. Five stars is going to be the only thing that gets it there. And I'm sorry to tell you that. That's just kind of what the rating of, that's the weighting of the system. Um, but but you got that book and I think, yeah, it's nice of you to review it. And you're going to have, this is your job you've been burdened with. And I'm sorry, but that is all, that's your job as a reviewer now. Um, Mallory, what do you, what do you got for Dustin? Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, like we're saying, it's not great. I get really frustrated all the time because like sometimes there'll be books and, and I mean, I, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I uh, have my finger on the pulse of the bookish world. You know, we're very involved in books. Uh, I read all the time. I'm always seeing what new books are coming out. And I get really frustrated when I don't, when a, a book comes out and I don't see it because, you know, it didn't get enough reviews or whatever. And it was a book that I really mm. liked. You know, it's just, it's just the world we live in. Um, whether it's, you know, your Uber driver or whatever, it's this, We've, the world capitalism has tried to flatten and quantify so many things into a rating system so they can sell it better and promote it more. Um, you know, it's just, it's like when a book comes out, it, it's one of those, uh, I think a, a, Ava uh, Duvernay said that most people are not interested in potential. They're interested in momentum. Um, mm. So, you know, books, um, more outlets get more interested in books that are getting more attention. So they just get, things can continue to get more attention and books that maybe didn't get as much and need some more help are kind of sometimes left in the dust, which, you know, it just frustrates me. Sometimes, um, I'll be reading a book. I'm like, why didn't I know about this? What the hell? Cause like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, it's, it, it's frustrating, but Dustin, first off, you are not personally responsible for this book's launch. Okay. And that's, I, I think that people, you know, hearing things like that, that like, oh, if you only give it a five star, you have to give it a five star review or nothing because then you failed the book. Like, you know, capitalism tries to make us all feel like we're individually responsible for everything that happens in the world when really we're like stuck in this corrupt system and uh, there's not a lot that we can do as individuals to fix it. Um, but I don't think you need to inflate a book's rating as a reviewer because you feel if you don't no book guilt if you feel like you're personally destroying a book's trajectory you're not this book has it was put out by a big publisher it's got a marketing team for a reason you know it's not just you, the world is not on your shoulders um but i you know i do think it's important to rate and review it if you want to if you receive arcs if you're reviewing things even if it isn't a totally perfect score Bria, like you said a lot of what people pay attention to is how many ratings and reviews mm -hmm. um yes obviously it's nice and the best for a book to get as many five-star reviews as possible. Um, but that number of re reviews matters. Um, a bunch of ratings and reviews that are pretty good is better than just a handful of perfect reviews. Um, it's, it's, it's an, just another, the other side of that algorithm. Um, so Dustin, I don't want you to think you want to, you have to like compromise your, uh, your art as a book reviewer. Um, but like Bria said, you, you know, it's, especially if you are want to do it professionally, it's something that you really want to get into. It's good to be cognizant of this stuff, you know, and, and just know how, how all this stuff works, but don't ever feel guilty and feel like, Oh God, I read this book and I liked it, but not enough to give it five stars. Like I don't, do I, should I lie and give it five stars? Like, what do I do? Like get rid of that book guilt. Okay. It's uh, you are not 
you're you're not it's not it's not your personal the the author is not going to call you sobbing and be like I didn't get a second contract because you personally Dustin gave me four stars instead of five um but you it's you know it's something you should think about and um yeah all this stuff is really complicated and it's it's frustrating because maybe it shouldn't be as complicated as it is um yeah and I think I think early on in the show we even were like try not to give things bad reviews. Like we were, we were trying to like simplify all of this. And I think that there's just no way to do it. Like, it's just like, if you're a book reviewer, that's your job. You got to review that book. Like, I mean, you love books. You obviously chose that for a reason. Um, I, I just think, uh, or, or even if it's just your hobby, I think like you're obviously contributing to the book community by letting people know how you feel about the book. There's a lot of people who rely on those reviews. Maybe they're only reading like four books a year. Like think about those people when you're writing something, maybe they're reading one book a year. You got to tell them whether or not this should be the book that they're going to read. Yeah. Reviewing is definitely an art form. Um, you can go and check out our, our episode, um, we did way back in the day with multiple reading glasses guest and friend of the show, Alex Brown. Um, they're a reviewer for tour.com and they're one of my favorite reviewers. I very rarely read reviews, but I, I, if, if I'm interested in a book, I will read Alex's because I think they're really, really great at it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very complicated. Any, anytime like there's a system designed to sell things, it's going to be complicated. And that's really what, you know, Goodreads is is specifically created by Amazon. They, the reason why they bought Goodreads is because they wanted to sell books so they can make yeah. more money so they can now they can send Jeff Bezos to the moon. Like that's, <laughs> that's not, they didn't, they didn't buy Goodreads out of the goodness of their hearts because they wanted to help, you know, connect to the bookish community. They want like Goodreads at the end of the day is a, is a corporation designed to sell things. Uh, and that complicates stuff. And it's good because, you know, if, if it's turning well on a book, you know, and the, the, there's a ton of reviews and, good, you know, it's getting featured on a lot of things. That's great for authors. But sometimes, you know, certain books can get left behind, like we were saying. But it's just a tough – it's a tough system. And don't – never feel bad for the choices that you're forced to make in a capitalist system. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reading problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request from Gray. Gray says, I've noticed that my wheelhouse has evolved in 2020 to include what I call danger lesbians. It would be any high stakes genre story where the main character is simultaneously dealing with the situation at hand and lesbian crushing up a storm. Gideon the Ninth and the Luminous Dead would be good examples. Do you have any uh, any horror and or sci-fi recommendations for danger lesbian stories? P.S. Back when Lady from the Black Lagoon was in pre-order, I requested a copy for Haverhill Public Library. Mallory and I emailed about it at the time. I bring this up because the children's librarian ordered Mary from my suggestion too. Your books oh. are now friends at the HPL. For folks who don't know, I grew up in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Um, it's also where my friend Chris Golden is from, where Rob Zombie is from. Very horror-centric place. Um, and knowing that both Bria and I's books are at the public library there is pretty freaking cool. So um, cute. Bria, recommend some Danger Lesbians. Uh, I was trying to think of a song. I was trying to think of a Danger Mouse song, but I can't think of what it was. So I was going to sing it, but... Highway yeah, to the tired. Danger Lesbians. Highway to the <laughs> Danger Lesbians. Um, I love this idea. Um, I'm going to recommend Space Between Worlds uh, by Micaiah Johnson. I think that's how you say Micaiah Johnson's name. Um, it takes place in a world in which people 
basically can travel between these like multiverses versus, but only if their corresponding self is dead on the other versions of the world. And the main character is this woman who's basically really good at dying in the other worlds. Um, in every world she's born into, she lives this kind of dangerous life um, and tends to die at a young age uh, because she's growing up like uh, around a bunch of gangs. She's growing up in poverty. She's growing up like there's just, she just lives a dangerous life, but our main hero is not dead. So she's able to travel between these worlds. She goes on this dangerous mission. There's a love story. It's great. I think uh, it will totally fit into your danger lesbian um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> mode. Uh, uh, what, what do you have for Grey? Uh, my recommendation for this, it's a, I think it's YA. Uh, it's a book called Beyond the Ruby Veil by Mara Fitzgerald, uh, mostly because it's the number one book that comes up when you search for chaos lesbians. Um, chaos lesbians. That's a, is that different than a danger lesbian? I think it's the same sort of deal. I think it's a synonym. Um, and it, so it's a, it's a sci-fi fantasy book about this socialite. She lives in this world where like the only way to get water is there are certain people who are born with a mark on them. And they, that means that they can use magic to create water and when you are born like that, you have to spend your life in servitude to the city to make water for everybody. And of course, the main character has a mark that she's been hiding, you know, since puberty when it was revealed. And um, she ends up accidentally killing the only other person in the city who can magically make water. Not a spoiler. Um, so she has to go on this journey to find the source of the water magic. So she, you know, to, to save her city. And she ends up in this like slow burn enemies to lovers romance, lesbian romance on the way. Um, so it's like a lot of wheelhouse boxes. You got a woman on a journey. You got like cool magic, um, enemies to lovers, lesbian yearning, um, while, while lots of dangerous and like, you know, they're on this dangerous journey and they're like, oh but you're also pretty hot. Like, I think that's, that's what, that's, that's what Gray's looking for. Um, so that's, uh, my recommendation is Beyond the Ruby Veil by Mara Fitzgerald. And mine is, um, Space Between Worlds. So as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and stickers and, uh, pillows and notebooks and mugs and all kinds of cool stuff. And our new, Brand new, revamped, incredible reading glasses uh, collaboration with our friends over at Void Merch. Uh, we've been tagged in so many awesome photos of people buying stickers and laminating them into bookmarks and wearing their muscle tees and having um, magnets on their fridge and stickers on their laptop. It's just like, it's super, super cool. We're really, really, we love all the designs and we're so happy that folks are into it. Um, and if you like the show and want to do something for free, you know what to do. You know you can rate and view us on iTunes. Maybe you've been listening to the show for a while and you're like, I'm going to get around to it. Today's the day. Today is the day. Maybe it's Saturday morning. You got some time. You're laying in bed, hanging out with your cat. This is describing my Saturday mornings. But you've got an extra couple minutes. You can rate and review us on iTunes. It takes not very long. Um, it really helps us. Like we were talking earlier in this episode, um, you know, people see reading glasses and they say, wow, they have over a thousand reviews. Most of them are five star a lot of people like this show. I should listen to it. Or they're an advertiser and they're like, I want to advertise on a podcast. This one has a lot of listeners. We should check it out. Uh, it really, really helps us. And it's free. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast. On Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.